0: Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth, We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young business leaders, welcome to the YBT podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitaki, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 106, uh, just rolling along here with the podcast excited to bring uh, another exciting guest uh, to you guys today today is a guy that i've gotten to know over a little bit of time um just through my church and just kind of seeing him in uh, different areas of life and uh, uh, as i've gotten to know him and gotten to know his story i was like matt you have to come on the podcast talk a little bit about your story and talk about what's on your heart because i know uh, there's a lot of exciting things going on in your world and so i'm excited to introduce to you guys today matt schrader Uh, Matt speaks on a variety of topics aimed at helping people succeed in their day-to-day lives. Uh, he leads the business A Better View, a window cleaning service. Better View has been operating for over eight years. Matt has spoken in a variety of organizations such as adult professional organizations, sports teams, college classes, and high school youth clubs. He has a bachelor of science in math education and a master's degree in criminal justice, and he's married to his wife, Jessica. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Say hello to the audience, and if you don't mind, tell them a little bit more about yourself.
1: Yeah, Evan, thank you so much for inviting me. I've had the opportunity to follow YBT really since its inception. And I mean, you guys are tremendous. What's amazing to me to be on this podcast is that I look up to many of the individuals in your organization. Like, (laughs) I've been to the lunches, I've been like, so I look at these guys, I think, man, that's the guy I want to be. Those are the guys I want to be. So I am honored and privileged to have just a short conversation with you about, you know, really my. Journey in business and what's God done? What God has done in my life, and then just something that I absolutely love. It's a, I mean, better view. We're a window cleaning service. It's a service organization that, like, if you had asked me when I was a kid, it's like, this is what you want to do? Well, no, that wouldn't even like it wouldn't even hit fireman. It just would have, you know, <laughs> being a window cleaner being. I wouldn't even known it existed, and yet I absolutely love it. Like, and that's that's just a cool tribute to who we are as individuals and how unique God makes us is that there's so many things you can do, absolutely love, that many other people won't love. And in my kind of business, if they don't love it, that's really good for me because yeah. that means they're willing to hire me to do it. So Better View started really with the inception of my first uh, – the pressure I started to feel as because I was a teacher for 11 years. and. Mm. It's a well-known fact. Teachers, you get a salary income, you don't make very much. You know That is not why you're doing it. It's not the pay for sure. You're doing it for the impact you can make on individuals. And I started to run into this thing that the lifestyle I saw I wanted and some of the things I wanted to do in my life was not going to be reached through teaching. So it's the, the first thing I wanted to do was pay off my student loans. So I started thinking, okay, what can I do? I was coaching football at the time and I knew I was going to transition out of that and Started thinking, okay, what can I do? Well, I had this pinch, this this idea inside that I wanted to run a business. And truthfully, I didn't want to be an entrepreneur. I didn't want to be, you know, a business owner. I didn't want to have my name on a, uh, you know, a billboard or anything like that. I just liked the idea. It would be like kind of a hobby. That's what in my mind was just kind of a hobby. I thought, but if I could make money at it, then that's the extra money I need. Teaching affords you a lifestyle that you start at 30 in the morning, and you're done pretty much at three thirty. You got some after school stuff, but for the most part, you're done. Well at 3.30, so many people, so much of your day is left. So I thought, I've got an opportunity here. So I started in on um, business and I started one and I told you before it was called James Education. That's that's my first name, James, but it was an online tutoring service, and it didn't work. And then I started another one, which is like a video thing. And this is back in 2009 and it didn't work. And I realized I'm trying to do too much at once. Like I'm trying to st- uh, even see if I like a business, run a business. And pitch this new idea that I've somehow finagled in my head. And I thought, forget it. I just want to, let me just do something to see if I like business. Well, the service industry is a quick place to gravitate because you can start pretty much most services you can start, not be good at necessarily, but you can (laughs) start them, (laughs) but just getting on YouTube. So I started rattling through the different things and finally hit window cleaning. And it just seemed like the least seasonable situation. And I thought maybe I can learn how to do it. I didn't really want to mow grass, wasn't a big fan of that. So, amen. <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs> so, I thought, okay, that's it. I'm just going to start it. I'll do it for a couple months. And then at least I'll know if I like the idea of business. You know, we're going to get into a little bit later the, the reservations I already had in getting into business. But I thought, let me just start it for a couple months. I'll see if I like it. So, I started it. Turned out I liked it. I liked running business. And I saw this spot, this space, and you're a business guy, and it's not long in business before you realize that if you can find a place in the market, a question that's not being answered, a problem that's not being solved, then you've got a spot where you can make some money. And I realized that a lot of service industries face two challenging issues. And the first one I call the creepiness factor. (laughs) <laughs> a lot of service guys. And listen, if you're listening and you're a service guy, I'm in your corner. I'm in your circle. I am in your world. I know it's not always our fault, but we just service guys can come off the wrong way. It's just you can come off a little bit weird and odd. And I think everybody knows that. So I was like, you know, I can build a reputation. I can build a presentation that answers these questions. Mm-hmm. that people are internally having you know the, the majority of my clients are women they are you know most men don't care about their windows <laughs> women do women are also i learned from my wife they get creeped out by people that just don't and man i i met these guys like i would interact with my long guys with my hvac guys with all these guys in the service industry and they're great people it was just a presentation it was yep. just a feel that they could bring so i thought i can do that like I have an ability to do that. And the second thing was a lack of excellence. There was just, I had had a lot of experiences with service industry guys that just didn't do excellent work. So Mm -hmm. I thought, let me go do those two things, marry it with window cleaning and see what I have. And a few months into it, I started moving, started grooving. It took off. I ended up paying off my 10-year note of um, school debt in less than two years. Wow. And man, at that point, I'm like, wow, I think I can go somewhere with this. And four years later after that, so I did four total years, does that seem right? Four years as a teacher and a window cleaner. Mm-hmm. And that last year, I'm just strapped because I'm like, I'm trying to keep my principal happy because I owe a debt to him because I've signed a contract with him. I've got to do what I've got to do. I owe a debt to my kids that are in my classroom. They got to learn. But then I've got people calling left and right when their window's cleaner. I'm like, Okay, so finally at the end of those four years, I realized, okay, I can go do this. And I make the jump, go full time. Right about that time, I get asked by my father in law to help him with this business, something I could do, but we had an agreement that I could kind of run both. So it was this perfect middle ground. Yeah. Truthfully, I would have never seen it coming, Evan, unless I'd already made the step of I'd already, I'd already told the school I'm done. So it was already gonna be better view full time. And then, so I ended up doing that for a couple of years and I get to the same problem. Now better view is I can't do both. And I transitioned out of that job kind of as a surprise and that's where better view just boom, stepped up and there were a lot of seed in the ground and I went after harvesting it. And I told you in six weeks, I replaced both my full-time salary at this other organization and my wife's part-time salary at this organization. Both of us transitioned at the same time. Like, yeah. You know, just immediately, they, you know, basically they cut the department and boom, we're done. So, man, then next thing you know, I'm full-time. You said it. It's crazy. I went from sidepreneur to (laughs) full-time entrepreneur in a matter of seconds. And in a matter of weeks, I was there, we didn't miss a beat and really God blessed me. I mean, he had me going through things long before I got to that point that had set me up for a rise. It's not everybody's story and definitely not even mine up until that point, where in six weeks, you're all of a sudden at, I wouldn't even say, let's say, say success more than just sustaining my current lifestyle at that time, being able to pay the bills, feed my kids, things mm-hmm. like that.
0: Well, thank you for sharing all that because I think it gives a lot of people perspective into who we're talking to and, and kind of like where you're coming from. Uh, I always love hearing that entrepreneurial story, and especially since you did it kind of like how I perceive it. Like a lot of people start is is it becomes this this project first, and then it's like yeah. Yeah, I might be able to make a little bit of business on or make make a little money on this, and and it can kind of grow a little bit, or I, I'll pay off some debts, and that's kind of where it starts. And it's it's not something that you're anticipating to be this grandiose thing but right what, what happens is you this momentum kicks in and you start to you start to see like there actually might be something here but it also gives you that ability to fail fast and fail cheap because you don't have your entire livelihood put onto it so it's it's kind of like the uh the laboratory where you're growing this thing and you're hoping that it yes. becomes something and in so your, your case uh, you were able to work all the way through that. To now, it's 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 at a point where it's 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 actually grown. I want to I want to tune into a couple things first, and then we'll dump into uh, jump yeah. into to, to a little bit further into uh, what you were alluding to. But first of all, uh, I'm a guy, and I called you to clean my windows. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Care, so, there are guys that do care. Um, yes. You know, I, I am a client of Better View, and the windows look absolutely fantastic. I got to the point where I was just tired of looking at it. And I was like, I've got to get this fixed because I knew I could do it. I could get out there and do it. But I was just like, if he's that good at this, if this is like what his livelihood is and he believes so passionately about it, he's going to knock this out way faster than I am and probably cheaper because. I had to start asking myself the question, what's my time worth? Uh, And and when I'm I'm saying yes to cleaning my own windows, I'm saying no to playing with my kids. I'm saying no to relaxing at home or or all the other projects that I could be doing. And so I'm slowly relenting some of those things uh, to to companies like BetterView because it's just like, all right, when I'm home, I need to be home and I need to be present. And that's, that's definitely something yep. as leaders that we need to work on is finding ways to be more present at home because we give a lot of time and attention to our work, to, uh, to our teams, uh, to our companies. And I think that it's real easy to go, well, I can go home and I can mow the yard or I can clean my own windows, but then what's happening is you're really not spending that time at home when you could be small rabbit trail, but I wanted to make that's sure good. that I got that out there. Yeah, um, <clears throat> the other thing is I, I want to uh, tune in a little bit too, is the the two things that you were talking about, the creepiness factor uh, and the lack of excellence. And I think that those are two universal things, not necessarily to the service industry, but to all industries. And I love how Mm. simple you made it was, listen, uh, whatever the product is, if I can overcome these two things, I can be successful. And uh, I believe that what you've been able to do, uh, in your business, especially launching from sidepreneur to entrepreneur, uh, 100% is prove that fact out that if we do things with, um, Professionally, if we do things with excellence uh, and if we uh, look and are intentional in overcoming some of these uh, objections that we know are going to be out there, it's like if you're a plumber. Plumbers know, and customers know you're going to see a butt crack at some point because you're calling it. <laughs> so, if you take necessary steps to not have that happen, uh, people yes, will appreciate that. And in your instances, do. hey, I'm going into somebody's house, and it's probably gonna there's probably gonna be a someone there who's not comfortable with me doing that. So, what can I over what can I do to overcome those challenges so that before I even come out, they know exactly what to expect, and that that mitigates and eliminates a lot of those fears and 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 to the point where when the customer is seeing what you told them would happen, then there's comfort that's there. They yeah. feel safe. And that's Good. really, really important. So I'm, I'm glad that you uh, talked a little bit about that. What I want to jump into now, though, is I want to talk a little bit about uh, that step from sidepreneur to entrepreneur. And you you kind of mentioned that like it was a little bit scary there was a you, you weren't you were unsure of of what that process would would be and I would venture to say especially losing in like your income and half of your wife's income and, and stepping out into that realm there was just all sorts of uncertainty and all sorts of fear that were coming into place and I feel like when we're talking about those things those are natural feelings for us right those are things yeah. that um you just you're in the situation and all this stuff all of a sudden goes away. That department closes. And now you're in a situation where you don't know what's going to happen. And um I know you kind of alluded to like we're conformed to be that way. We're conformed to think that way. And that's that's something that is to us natural, but I think it goes a little bit beyond that. And we can get to a point where that's 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 not the norm for us. Like when those things happen, we don't have to have fear. We don't have to have those challenges and there's kind of a different way to approach it. So I want to kind of tee that up for you, to, uh, because I know this is something that you're kind of, uh, hashing through right now and experiencing right now. Um, that's really making a difference in your business today.
1: Yeah, that's actually a great question. That transition did, it happened immediate and as a surprise, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, Immediately, I went from I've got this main gig that I can depend on a check every week and you know pays my insurance and it's all the great things. And then, oh, I've got this side gig when I need some fun money, when I need some, you know, I need to, like you said, pay off some debts or you know, build our emergency fund or all those things. I've got also this gig. And leading up to that point, I think is what kind of set me up to be a success. You know, the answer is. When you go to work every day, whether it's it's the same thing, whether you work for somebody who's super secure and the company's super established and it's got a you know great clientele and it's going to be there forever, or you're in a place where you're like, ooh, I'm you know I am literally earning every dollar I need on that need to know basis, is every morning you've got to get up. You've got to start work just like it is. And I started the mentality long before I got to the need or the opportunity. And that is I started looking at something you alluded to earlier is this is my time. I only have a limited amount of time to fit in what I need to do. And I work for my company, but truly I don't work for my company. I work for myself. Mm -hmm. They are a partner with me and that they have chosen me to do some responsibilities for them. They're going to pay me X amount of dollars for it. And I started looking at, when I was teaching school, I started looking at them like that, looking at my the school I worked for, not as I, I got to go to the grind, got to hit the hit the books and start teaching the kids. I looked at it as, man, I got an awesome opportunity. I had this client who was my main client, who was the school who was provided. I looked at it as because I had seven classes in a row. I've got seven meetings in a row. Seven meetings. I've got to pitch this presentation. This is when I first started to transition to a business mentality. I've got yeah. to pitch this presentation. In that case, I happen to be teaching math, but I had to pitch this mathematics presentation that I had to get them to buy into by the end of this 20 minute period and oh, then take this. it and run with it. So, yeah. I, trans, I transition from seeing my work day as it starts at 7.30, ends at 3.30, to I have an appointment at 7.30. I have another one that starts at 8, from 8 to 8.50 is that appointment. And then I have a five-minute break to get to my next appointment, which starts at 8.55, and it goes to 9.45, so on and so forth, all, all throughout the school day. And then I start setting my appointment. So by the time I got to the break where I went from, oh, my gosh, I had already established that when I wake up in the morning, I have appointments to fill. And I am working for me and I better earn this money. Then, mm-hmm. when I got there and I did, I woke up that next morning. And I was like, Oh no, what do I do? Because the scary part for me was I had built up a solid clientele business that could run on the side and mm-hmm. produce enough money on the side. It produced enough work so that I had just enough work when I was done with my main job to go do. But when I lost my main job, I went from work a main job till about four ish and then cram View in till about six to I've got nothing to do till six. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> nobody's looking for me. So I had So I, you know, I woke up, I get set my day, make my list, set my appointments. I've got no appointments to make because I don't have my main gig anymore. But I started thinking, okay, what do I need to do? So then I got on the phone and I just started, the phone started ringing, fortunately, um, because it was springtime. But then I started getting on the phone. And I started just every call I could make. And, th- you know, this is not anything revolutionary, but I just systematically went through, you know, I did I, I did my best to at that moment when you're a little bit scared not to take a no as rejection of somehow I'm lost and I'm going down south just as the next step. Look at the next step, next step, make the next call, next call, next call, next call, next call. And then go to your appointment. And then I picked up glass like crazy. I picked up mm-hmm. the squeegee again. And cause at that point I'd worked myself out of it. I had a couple team members that were doing most of the glass for me while I was kind of doing my main gig too. And so I pick up the squeegee and I go to working glass and I go to, you know, instead of, I had had a real tough time hiring people up until that moment, which I think is God kind of foreseeing where I was headed.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: fortunately I had a lot of glass to do and I, and I didn't, <laughs> Evan, I didn't want to do it. Like, I was used to not having to actually put the squeegee to the glass. Mm-hmm. Even though I had started for the first three years, I did I did all the glass. Like I did the sales, everything. I did the squeegee to the glass. I was the one-man show, kind of own my own job, not my own company deal. And I when I had to when I lost that job, all of a sudden I had to do some harder work than I was used to and wanted to. <laughs> And also fast forwards about five years later. So I'm also older, a little bit less in shape. And, you know, my, my old better view stuff doesn't fit anymore. And I'm like, ah, okay. So, but I did it. And that's where there's a lot of things that led up to kind of building that foundation. But if you're an entrepreneur or you're a sidepreneur now, or if you're not even a sidepreneur, you're just a one-trepreneur. Yeah. The, you have to start thinking now where I think people go wrong is they don't look ahead and they expect something's going to be the exact same for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. And they're going to clock in and clock out, you know, metaphorically or actually for the rest of their life, the same spot, or if it's not the same spot, it will be the same industry. Or if it's not the same industry, it'll be a similar one. Or somehow it all come together and that's not going to happen. Like something's going to happen in your life. That's going to break that chain. And you had need to have already established the strength at that point to this is what I do every day. You know, it, I'll tell you another thing. It reminds me of I lost. So I've been fired twice in my life and I've, but I've lost a total of three jobs. So I got fired um, because I didn't do, I guess it's kind of a firing, but I was teaching in Florida and I didn't do what I needed to do cert- certification wise. Like you got to keep your certificate up. I just mm-hmm. blew it off. I was young. I was like, ah, you know, it'll work out. You know, I'll just get it done at the last minute. And it didn't. So I don't get it done. My school's like, hey, we have to let you go. <laughs> and you know they didn't fire me because I was a bad teacher. They fired me because they the state made them. But still, if it, it felt like a firing, like I all of a sudden I wake up the next day. So I went to Starbucks. I started filling out job applications. Yeah, and that's I think I I'm throwing it back to that idea that I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to work every day at X amount of time. I set my appointments because God gave me this time. I have this time to work every day, and I have to use it to do something. Mm-hmm. So I and primarily. What you're going to do is you're going to earn a living with that time. You're going to build a family, earn a living, and you're going to do some other things that might be enjoyable. But I started to frame my mind as if I was going to wake up on my own and be captain of me yeah. long before I had to be <laughs> captain of me. So then when I got there, it was a little bit easier transition. Obviously, it's still difficult. You're right. You are scared. You got a wife. You got a kids. You're looking at them. You're like, uh, whoa, like – our bills are coming. They don't care. Like yeah. that house payment, it is showing up on the first, whether I like it or not. And I better have that money. Yeah. So um I I think that's what you do. That's what you start to build in your own mentality is that this is this is my life as it is, no matter what, whether I have a large client that technically owns all my time, or I have a bunch of little clients that I'm constantly having to turn
0: over. Yeah. Well, I love this analogy that you have of captain of me and and even just looking from a teacher perspective that your students are your clients. Uh, You have this you have this uh, me ink that you're that you're running. And I think sometimes we forget that, you know, even though we're in a contract position as a teacher or maybe maybe we're not even there yet maybe some of the people listening to this podcast are people that are not in the workforce yet they're not or they're not in the role that they are aspire to be yet they're not the manager they're just the guy they're just the guy who's doing the hard work just trying to prove himself right now but they're doing it maybe with the wrong intentions they're they're doing it because they think that they need to do it and they're not taking an ownership mentality of everything that they're doing. And what I love about what I'm kind of picking up on what you're saying is that if I have that ownership mentality when it's students, when it's in the service and, and I'm serving people food, or it, it, even if it's just like I'm running a drill press, whatever it is, if that's if I have that ownership mentality and I start training myself now, when I get to that point that yeah. I have an actual team, or I have an actual company, or it's just, it literally is me, Inc. And I have to go out there and hustle and sell that service of cleaning those windows or whatever I'm doing. I've already been mentally prepared for that so that the transition is less scary. The transition is um, more familiar to you because it's something that is more intrinsic to you as opposed to foreign because you've been doing it from you know, three, four, five, ten 10 years ago. Does that make yep. sense? Oh yeah,
1: that's exactly it.
0: Yeah. Great way to say it. Well, when we're talking about all of these different things, I think another thing that we can kind of pick up with is, is that that work ethic, that hard work, Um, I would even say that for some people, that's a gift. That's, that's, that's something that we're gifted to do. um, But we have to tap into it. We have to find a way to exercise that. But on the other side of it, we have to figure out what our gifts are. You know, Mm -hmm. when we're talking about um, the unknown of not knowing necessarily, you know, what the next step is or whatever else, but we know what those gifts are inside of us, it's a lot easier for us to mitigate that fear and mitigate that uncertainty because you know I know that I can if I tap into these things that I'm going to uh, be successful no matter what it is and I know that hard work is definitely something that uh, I feel like is is a rare quality these days yeah. Um and I think it's just easy for us to not put in the hard work because uh, it's easier to kind of blend in but when you're in that me ink situation that hard work shows up and it uh, and it doesn't show up, you can tell, and, and it shows up when you, you can't pay the bills or that revenue is not coming in or those clients aren't there. So all of these different things are are starting to, to swirl around that. But I want to get back to that gift part, because I think that's a key word here. Um, finding those gifts, finding those things that you're talented in. And I think that you kind of tuned into some of those through your journey uh, to figure out what your gifts were what are some things that the listeners can do and, and the people listening here today that maybe are in a similar situation as you like kind of talk them through that process, talk to them through that thought process when you were trying to figure out like, all right, what, what's, how can I pay these bills? How can I step out? And then through that, those questions it led you to where you are today to where a sidepreneur, entrepreneur, business owner, does that make sense? Yeah, Evan, what you're hitting on is huge. And it really has been a lesson
1: that I've learned over this past, I mean, really decade. And just in the last couple of years, I've come to kind of be able to verbalize and really conceptualize what God was kind of teaching me as I went through those things. I have to go back a little bit back into my history to kind of set up to why where I am now is a very unbelievable spot for me. The the idea of business is not something that I just came by by sheer happenstance or even uh, recently. You know, when I was a kid, my first stepping out, my first idea of business was I wanted a pair of Michael Jordans, nineteen ninety two. You know, it was, they were black, they were a little purple, a little red. They had, the, you remember the little clip with the uh-huh. shoelaces? So that's what I wanted. So I did what, at least I thought a lot of kids did, or I saw on TV, and was, I went started going door to door. I started, you know, just knocking them. Twelve year old kid, hey, what could I do for you that you would pay me money? Mm-hmm. And you know, then I can get the money I need for my shoes. So I met this little old lady, seemingly sweet little old lady, but not so sweet. It turned out. And she walks me around. And this is, I think when my, my hate for yard work was first (laughs) began, this is when I first started hating anything. that inquired dirt and grass. So she's, she wants me to pull weeds. So she shows me this little strip, you know, anybody with the you know, a house that's, you know, it's kind of the standard house in the neighborhood. It's kinda of got that strip on the side, right, leading up to the fence. And she had put a little garden there. And there were three little trees and little bushes and then grass all throughout there. And she's like, Can you pull all these weeds? I said, Yeah, absolutely. And I said, Well, what do you pay me? She says, Twenty bucks. I'm like okay you know i can do that you know that's maybe an hour work or so that seems like a pretty good way so i did it, it took about an hour and i pulled all those weeds out all that gra- ground was fertile and those trees look beautiful those three individual trees and you know i had them all set up and i thought man this is great 20 bucks one hour but this is this is the way to go and i knock on the door and get the little lady out She we walk around and she says well now, honey what about these weeds and she pointed at these trees that were in her side yard. And I was like, man, those are trees. Those are not weeds. Said, no, honey, those are, those are trees. Those are what I'm like, what? Well, I don't know if you ever tried to pull those little bushes that yeah. come with every house, you know, and they are huge. It took me all day for the next seven hours. I struggled with these trees. And finally I had dug them all out, cut all the roots, pulled them out, drug them to the side. I get out there and in my head, I'm thinking, oh, 20 bucks for eight hours. That's That's horrible. Like that's that's like two bucks an hour. And I get there, I thought for sure she'll give me 50. Nope. She gave me $20. And I thought I walked away. I was like, that's it. I didn't go to any more houses. Of course, the day's over at that point, too. So I'm like, this is stupid. People just take advantage of you. This is ridiculous. So I swore off business. I found the money another way to get my shoes in. (laughs) And fast forward, I get to high school. And I need a side job. You know, I'm a high school kid. I don't really want to work a job job. I want a job that (laughs) Well, I can do it on my own time and make lots of money, you know, because that job exists. But anyway, so I <laughs> I answered one of those little signs that says, you know, work from home, $15 an hour, you know, yeah. direct sales. And, you know, I sold knives and I sold vacuums. I did it twice and both times. Same story. I was a flash in the pan. I came out fast, you know, when you're selling to your mom and your dad and your relatives and you know, your next door neighbor. And I thought, oh, it's gonna be great. And then I get to the hard stuff, and you know, where you have to actually make phone calls, and actually, you know, and then your little fifteen dollars an hour wasn't fifteen dollars an hour like endless. It was just for the first month you started, uh, and then supposedly you were going to be on commission, and you would, oh, you double or triple that, no big deal. And anyway, so it didn't work out, and I would end up that job didn't pay me anything. I just ended up quitting. So I had these two kind of issues. With one, I thought in business they're just going to take advantage of you. And two, I thought I can't sell. Like I, yeah. I'm not gifted. I, I I always start strong and then I end up failing. Well, I figured out that there is this conforming force that has to do with, and I I think the Bible talks about it. Romans twelve two says this: Do not be conformed to this world, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And the idea is that throughout our life, through our the, wrong desires, through our fears, through our insecurities, through through circumstances, we get pushed into this mold that we were never supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And it's why we have this longing of, oh, there's something more for me. You know, I think everybody deals with that on the inside that like, there's more to this life than just what I'm doing. The only people that seem to be able to deal with it are people who've truly found their purpose and can run with it and really have the mm-hmm. skills to go with it. But that's few and far between. When we deal with this angst of like, I'm supposed to be more. And it's because I really do believe that through these things that happen to us, whether it's our fault, somebody else's fault, it kind of squeezes us into looking like, feeling like, acting like every other single person next to us. You know, we end up just taking the nine to five, widget punching, just click, 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 go home, watch some TV show, go to bed, do the same thing over and over and over. And we may do that for different companies, different organizations. You may do it in different careers, but that is a horrible way to live. Just this, never tapping into who you really are on the inside. Well, that was happening to me. And it was part of the pressure I was feeling in addition to the financial pressure, in addition to looking down at my life and thinking, and the teaching, this is not going to lead me to where I want to be. I think I think I want to do more. And I said, st- I had sworn off a business. Like I had gone so far away from business. I was in social services salaried, no commission. You get paid (laughs) no matter what government job, like, you know, just as far away as possible, but man, inside of me, especially while I was coaching, I was like, man, it would be just fun. Why, why does this seem fun to run a business? Why, why would that be a desire? And I ended up transitioning from coaching and I knew, you know, I was trying to, I was in this time of stress with teaching and wasn't married yet, but I started to do what, when you start searching, you get enough pressure and you start looking for something. And I mm-hmm. took a couple of those gifts tests. That's a lot of people's advice. Take a gifts test, take a gifts test. And that's a great place to start. If you don't know what you're good at, or even if you think you're leaning towards something, or even in my case, I knew I could teach. I mean, I could teach anything at any time. As long as I knew a smidge, I had an ability inside of me to take something big, break it down into something small and help people understand it. So I started taking those gifts tests and something keeps popping up. And it's this idea of entrepreneur, administrator, leader gift, this i this idea that somehow I, and that's how I felt that somehow I could go out and do the things, the skills needed to run a business. And I'm like, that, that no way. I've been there before. Like this went bad for me last time. There's no way it's going to go well this time. But I had something on my side that I didn't have when I was a teenager. When I was a teenager, I didn't have the idea that God will kind of come behind you and support you in the places where he wants you to go. And your gifts indicate where he wants to take you. So starting with that, I thought, okay, if this thing says, this gift, this test says, I can do business. And when I start to look at the different things I do, I realized that I'm kind of already doing this in a way, in the way I, my style of teaching and different things I did with that. I thought well maybe I could try it. So I did. I, I thought, okay. And this is what I was telling you earlier. I just started the window cleaning company. And inside, I'm, um, you know, you kind of grow to a place where you can kind of push off the real feelings you have about something. Mm-hmm. But inside, I'm like, man, I, I just don't think this is gonna work. Like I, and not even verbally. I, I don't it wasn't even a, a conscious thought. It was just I've already experienced this before. It goes well early. It seems really good. And then it goes south fast. I even, I even decided to do, to do this, Evan. I thought, I'm going to set little benchmarks, little buoys that if I can get to this, then I can make a decision to let myself out. Then I can <laughs> say, you know what? I was a success for this short period of time. I'm done. I can get out. I don't have to be a failure. So you know, my first buoy was like, get your first actual client. You know, and then my second one was, you know, make money at a job, an actual profit, you know? And yeah. and then, you know, I would set another one. I still set them today. I'll set a benchmark and I give myself the out that if I get there and I don't want to go further, you can go further. You didn't fail. You did what you're supposed to do. Well, I started working through that and I got my first couple jobs. And in the midst of that, these are you, you wanted to know what does someone do? If you're listening right now and you're like, man, I have a desire or I have a gift or, oh let me sidebar. I did not realize that as I was teaching, I also had this business gift. So it was a surprise. So taking those gift tests are actually really good. Take as many as possible. You may surprise yourself with something you're good at that you may be able to do that repressed, mm. whatever stopped you from getting into. So I started leading, I started hitting those buoys and I would, you know, my, my first indication that maybe this was a good place is as I'm cleaning my first residential, my first commercial job, my, my commercial job was pretty short and went by pretty quick. Residential job was a big house, so it's a lot of time to kind of mull over things. And I started seeing things. It's like my gift started pointing out things that I did not learn out of a book. I didn't naturally think of. Now it wasn't magic. It wasn't like all of a sudden you know I just became this super successful person. It, it was. It started pointing out little improvements I could make. Mm-hmm. I would make that and it would work and I would enjoy it. And then another little improvement and another little improvement and another little improvement and another little improvement. And I think that house took me, you know, six hours to do it. And by the next time I cut it down to three and by the next time I cut it down to an hour and a half. And I thought, whoa, I'm like you start to think, man, I'm, I'm good at this. Like I can actually I can actually do this. And then so that was the first indication that maybe I should go a little further. And then my next buoy, so my first buoy was to actually get a residential commercial job, do them, and make money at them, which I did. So the next one was to do some kind of cold, slightly warm approach towards sales to just see if I could convince anybody out of the blue to let me clean your windows. So I started at the end of one street where I got my first commercial job. And all the way down this street, probably three, four blocks long, are just those little strips, uh, those little shops. You know, two or three windows a shop, two or three windows a shop. And I went to every single one of them. And I started getting in there. And my turnover wasn't great. Like I got a couple jobs because, you know, they feel sorry for you or whatever, or they needed windows cleaned or whatever it would be. But this is what indicated I should go a little further and get better at this. Is I started creating my pitch and seeing value that sales part of me. I started seeing it as I'm talking. So if I'm talking to you for the first time, I'm watching their eyes light up. I'm watching them, you know, not be impressed with things I'm saying, be impressed with things I'm saying, building value over here. I'm trying different things and they're, you know, this person didn't buy and I pitched it this way and this person did buy and I pitched it this way. So little by little, I'm starting to see my natural ability kind of come forth and I'm, I'm, I'm getting better at this. By the end of that street, I had figured out this is valuable to people and this is not valuable to people. Mm-hmm. When I made my when I first landed my first big, big job, which was a string of cell phone stores all throughout Tulsa. And they wanted me to do all the glass. It took me a year and two months, 14 months to get that job. I bid mm-hmm. it and then and some of the red tape they got to go through it just takes forever. And then it gets denied, and then you know I'm working back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But as I'm doing that, I'm starting to see this is working. And I'd really overcome. I'd overcome the first fear. So you remember, my first experience in business is I started to believe that people just took advantage of you, and yeah. it felt like that at first. That first job I did, that that house took me six hours. I didn't make any money or any legitimate money. Of course, I made money because she paid me. but you know, when you start doing the math, you're like, this isn't sustainable. Like I make twice this teaching. <laughs> like it's not this is not going to change my life. But then, of course, the second time I did it, I cut it in half, third time I cut it in half again. I still pretty much do that to this day. By the third time I do a job, I mean, I'm at that 70 percent profit margin where it makes sense where you can do all the advertising and the insurance and everything you got to have to do that one job you mm-hmm. can pay for it and pay yourself a wage and pay a team member if you're going to hire people so i got over that first one but that second one was so all this is happening in the first of the year i did those first two jobs january february march is when i did my walk down that street mm-hmm. and i'm figuring out my pitch and i'm I'm doing these different things. That was my my buoy of like, let me try a cold, slightly warm. Like those people weren't cold, cold because they have mm-hmm. glass and they're not just on the phone. They kind of knew who I was because they had seen me clean this other business a couple of times. So they're kind of right in between stone cold and like slightly warm. But then my last one was I went through that dip, that flash in the pan feel that I'd mm-hmm. hit when I was doing knives and uh, vacuums and I had it dropped and like, I couldn't get anybody. And it's the same pitch. I've been working that people have been saying yes to. And part of this was getting that big job. They just kept saying, no, I kept presenting it. And at the same time, I'm trying to get other jobs. Some of them are going, some of them aren't, but I kept getting better and better and better finally. And you alluded to this. I'm so glad you mentioned this. This was the hard work part. Yeah. This was going through the difficult, having some confidence that if God had gifted me to do this, so this is the transforming part of that scripture. If God had gifted me to do this, and the world had worked really hard. And when I say the world, I mean like the environment, not specific people even, although some of them were specific people, but just this overall sense of my life had worked very hard to push this out and press it down inside so I would never go after it. Then maybe there was something here. So in that, that's what motivated me to kind of do the hard work. And it was... And uh, March was my big push. I got a bunch of jobs. And then April, May, June was just like dragging. Like, come on somebody say yes. You know, unfortunately yeah. I'm still teaching. So I do have money coming in, but I'm like, come on something. But then July, whoa, July, I ended up doing it. I hit it big on an advertising deal that hasn't worked again to this day. But uh, <laughs> I got 200 jobs in two weeks. Woo. I booked my July, my August, September, in October, I, like in one shot, like, well, I say one shot. In two weeks, I was on the phone. My phone is ringing nonstop. I mean, I'm doing this advertising push that had gone, not viral, what all them, gone big enough that people are calling left and right. So the flood came in. But had I not done two or three months of work, I wouldn't have gotten a system down that I could even handle all these people. Yeah. I wouldn't have had the confidence that I could, like I'm bidding jobs on the phone blind. Like that's like, like that's how much work is coming in. So <laughs> that was my, it really um, gave me some validation that my flash in the pan moment where I would Spike in sales and then dip down to nothing. It wasn't because I was inadequate. It wasn't because guy wasn't on my side. It wasn't because I couldn't do what I needed to do. Well, I wasn't gifted. It wasn't any of that. It was just I needed to stick at it for a while. Yeah, stick at it, stick at it, and then finally, I told you that broke through. And then by the time I get that, just the the two hundred jobs I had booked for four four months. By the time I get my head above this other company that had the cell phone stores all across the city. And I was, they started to tick up a little bit and they wanted to hear my bid again. They wanted to see if I could adjust some things. They had reduced the region. They had broken up their stores into other different deals. They're like, well, you know, what if you just did this region? And, and, and so I go, end up going December, uh, November, December. I'm still, that's a big, still a couple of big months, even though it's really cold for windows. You're still cleaning a lot for parties. Yeah. I hit the January, January drops. And about that time, uh, that, company called and they're like, Hey, let's start this in February. And I'm like done. So yeah. I'm like, man, 14 months, I had worked this job and I finally got it. So that was the transforming part. The transforming part is I, I, I noticed some gifts, God showed me some gifts. I worked those gifts. I saw inside as I'm, as I'm working the, the exciting part of it. I saw myself, I, I can do this. I'm getting better at it. I hit the hard part. And I kept working, kept working. I still had that sense that I could do this. And it finally, it when it cracked through, like I told you, it cracked through big. And um, that gave me the confidence. I was like, I can do this. Yeah. I can. I'm actually, this is, and that was the transforming part. And once I had gone through that transformation, of course, I've gone through times now where sales dip and, you know, you're working and you're calling everybody. Nobody's saying yes. But now there's a lot more confidence in that it's going to pick back up. It's going to be fine. You know, it ebbs
0: and flows. You know, those kind of <laughs> things. Well, there was a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I just I took a couple of notes based on kind of some of the things you were saying. And I think one of the things that I was trying to clue into is like when you're when you're hitting on those guests, which you talked a little bit about, is your you're taking some of those tests to kind of figure out what those are and then you're seeing them on the paper so that's kind of step one but step two is I think when you start to see that progress you start to say things like whoa or things start to slow down for you that's when you start to recognize okay there is a gift here because these things are happening it's either getting easier it's uh, getting better or you're seeing that progress and so that's kind of kind of it's guiding you through there to where you kind of need to lean into those things and say all right I need to take a look at why this is happening because this could be something that I'm actually truly gifted at. And when when you have that, then you start to have that confidence to build that hard work and that persistence. And I think that that, I love how you really singled out that 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 last part where you were concerned that you were a flash in the pan with a lot of the different things that you did, but you were only lacking one thing. You were la- you were lacking persistence. Yeah. And that persistence and that hard work to drive through those things is kind of the last gift that you needed to propel you to what you ultimately needed, which was getting it from a sidepreneur thing to an entrepreneur to a full-blown business, to where you're actually this is what's supporting you. This is something that you know is your primary function. And without persistence, that wouldn't have happened. And it's just having that confidence in those other gifts that you have, knowing that if I am persistent with this, that the business will then come. That's the, that's kind of the trifecta of the formula that puts it all together. And now, now you were, now you're in a, in a place where you can look back at it and say, okay, these are the things that happened. And I think that you've actually done some of that reflection. And hopefully, part of this conversation has helped you to reflect on that to look back and say, if I really hone into my gifts, I can tell you what they are now, because these are the things that I was able to tap into. The other thing that I wanted to kind of say, uh, as a part of that too, is, and going back to your very, your very first story about the, the trees and pulling the trees out. <clears throat> I think it's possible. And this is just my theory. Cause I've, I've heard you talk about this a little bit. I think it's possible for you to do that job in an hour. And I say that because you didn't have the right tools the first time. And so I think that sometimes when we're in situations where we're feeling like things are difficult, we're feeling like things are just like uh, that maybe even turn us toward a little bitter towards something that we think is our gift. And it just isn't going the way that we want. It's not necessarily because you're doing it wrong or you're not gifted for those things. It's you just don't have the, the right tools to do that. Because if you had the right tools, you could have pulled those those trees out pretty quickly, um, but you were in a situation that you actually walked in and the only tool that you had at that point was you. Yeah. I don't think you had, any, think you had anything with you I to didn't. pull in your hands. And so that made that job that much more difficult. It'd be the, the, the same thing would be for me. Like for example, I have a two story house. So if I was going to clean my upper windows. I would have to get a ladder of some kind, and then I would have to move it to each individual window, and that's going to take a lot of time for me to do that. When your guy came to my house, he never got a ladder out once, and it was because he had the right tools to clean those upper windows without having to take the additional time to do it the way that I maybe would have done it, and that's what made you that much more effective.
1: Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. That's actually brilliant, and I've got a couple of things I can can stretch that out a little bit, just real stories that – I actually walked through some, some similar situations. So when I first started window cleaning, uh, I gotten, I run into a guy as a business guy, I was kind of being mentored by that by at the time. And little did I know his first business that he had already started, bought or started and sold at that point in time and had been several businesses beyond was window cleaning. Mm -hmm. So he kind of gave me his, you know, his quick training on some different things. And he had, he had suggested I use this specific type of sponge that he had used and it had been landmarks and incredible and all these different things. So I ran with it and, he, and uh, the, it, it was good, but I got my minute per window down to about five minutes on a residential mm-hmm. home. A minute per window is a big deal in my business because that tells me how long a job is, tells me how much that job should cost, how much labor I have to spend. So getting it down as quick as possible, the quicker you are with excellence, the more money you make. Yeah. So I was working with this tool, working with this tool. And sometimes when you get told, by, told something by somebody you respect and somebody that really made an impact on you, it's hard for you to reason in your head that maybe they weren't right on everything, <laughs> you know? Like, so I'm working this thing, but I keep seeing a problem. And the problem with this specific sponge is it lost a lot of water and a lot of solution fast, So you dip it, you go to scrub, but it just lost a lot of solution fast. And, but I kept saying, no, this is the best thing. This is the best thing, this is the best thing. But I couldn't get, I couldn't break that five minute mark. Well, finally I I started doing some research on some different tools and sponges. I thought maybe, you know, maybe there is a better. And I did find something that was better and it turns out a lot of people use and <laughs> the moment i tried it my minute per window went from 5 minutes to 4. Oh, nice. I'm spending a minute per window dipping, just dipping, which seems like such a quick situation to dip your, you know, your sponge into solution. But i was doing it so much over a large span that it was costing me, you know, if you take so on a, you know, if a house's got 30, minutes, 30 windows, mm-hmm. and it costs you 30 more minutes because of a second-story window, you kept u- losing solution, then you've added a minute per window. So without too much math in there, I told you I was a math teacher, so I guess that's, <laughs> that's how I think. But I dropped it immediately, and it was exactly what you said. It was a difference in tool. It wasn't my skill, it wasn't my ability, it wasn't my hard work. It wasn't my ingenuity, my thought, my presentation. It was simply the difference in one tool. Mm-hmm. that changed how quick I could do something and really not even how quick it was, how little time I wasted. Yeah. So right there tools, um, you know, we do from the beginning, I wanted to do everything from the ground because it's just safer on the ground. If you fall on the ground, you don't get hurt. You fall on a ladder, <laughs> you get hurt. So we do do ladder stuff, of course, but I try to do everything I can, but yeah, we bought that tool, very expensive tool, but nonetheless, it reduces, it makes things, it doesn't make anything faster. It makes things safer. And if you're safer, your guys are happier, and they're a little more motivated. They're a little more relaxed when they're cleaning glass. So, And you're right. Tools are big. Tools are huge. And you've got to – I think sometimes people – I know I was this way. You can't break out the mentality of this worked once. It's got to just keep working. It's got to be the best thing because it worked once. And sometimes you move through a transition. Your industry grows. There's an evolution of things, and there are just better tools out there.
0: Absolutely. Well, I'm so. Yeah. I, I was just thinking about all that stuff as you were talking. I was like, man, I I, I know that there's something to this point because I, I've had countless uh, projects that I've worked on that take three to four times longer than they should, just because I'm trying to uh, make something work with a tool that's not designed to do what it's, good. what it's what is trying to do. So Matt, man, thank you so much for taking the time to, to speak to my audience and to, to, to kind of share your story, share, uh, some of the transformation that you've had in the things that you're doing in your life and your business. I always give my guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience and it's, it's your message directly to young business leaders. Um, the the people that are tuning in today are just finding themselves in a leadership role. Uh, they're just realizing that leadership is more than just uh, a title on a, a business card or a certain level of income. And so I want to give you an opportunity to speak directly to them and 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 let them know some of the clues that you've learned along the way in your entrepreneurial journey that can help propel them and help them alleviate maybe some of that uh, fear, maybe some of that stress, and will help get them to that next level.
1: Yeah, I Thank you. This is a great opportunity to really share it's something that is on my heart. And You mentioned it earlier, and it is, it's the idea of persistence. Mm-hmm. I, I found that in anything you do in life, there's a lot of emotional energy in the beginning. And that emotional energy comes from the fact that you're excited about something. You like what you're doing for the first time. You're making a little something extra or you're in a position you'd always uh, went after for or pursued. And then you get to a place where that emotional energy runs out, and it does; it dissipates. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you don't like it anymore. And so often, in our when we're early, early in business, we are early, early in our career, or early, early in our adulthood, we stop because we think because the emotional energy is gone, there must be something wrong, and that is not true. Mm-hmm. It, it takes. I have found that that energy comes back, but it only comes back after you go through a significant amount of time, not forever, but a good amount of time of working at it, working at it when you hate it, working at it, working at it when you're not passionate about it anymore, working at it when your coworkers are terrible and your boss is terrible and you just, it's miserable, but you keep at it and keep at it and keep at it. You end up breaking back through into another spot where you're really good at what you do and then it starts to turn over and it starts to get a little faster and it starts to get a little more exciting like it did back in the day. And I would encourage you if you're in that time. So if you're in the time of emotional energy, then what I'm saying to you only means a little bit. But if you're in that time where you just got tired of something and you're not passionate about it anymore and you think maybe it's just, you know, it's, it's just time to quit. It may not be. It may be time to push a little bit harder, a little bit further and a little bit longer you get a point where you are the absolute best at it? Evan, when I would transition different jobs, I tried to, or I learned to do everything I could with everything I had. Be really good at what I was currently doing so that if I left, I was leaving, not because I was bad at it or because they didn't want me, but because I truly didn't like it. And that was the only reason. So I would encourage those of you listening in that spot that is difficult get really really good at what you're doing and then make the decision whether it's for you or it's not for you
0: awesome Matt thank you so much for for sharing that today I, I know you said at the beginning of this that you know you're listening to the guys that you want to be and and I want to say to you today that you are one of those guys you are one of those guys that you listen to on the podcast because you have a lot to say and I think the, the me and the audience have, have definitely gotten a lot of uh, a lot out of the conversation that we've had today. So thank you for taking the time uh, to share your heart with us because you know, ha- having people uh, share your experiences and share your journey helps make our journeys as we're going through, whether it be leadership or entrepreneurship or whatever else, Uh, it makes us realize that we all go through it. And we all all have those fears. We all are trying to figure out those gifts and we're all trying to get to that next level. And when we do it together and we communicate and we find ways to help each other, that's what's gonna help everybody get to that next level. And that's everything that we're trying to accomplish here uh, with YBT and with this podcast. So with that, listeners, remember, choose to connect, seek development and be inspired. We'll catch you. On the next podcast. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.